here's a question for you. What is the technology in design and technology? This is one of the questions that we're posing as part of our redesigning D&T project. Amanda Mason has put it out on LinkedIn and she's asking for D&T teachers to share their thoughts about what they, for them, is the technology in design and technology. We'd love to hear your responses to this question. So do get over to LinkedIn and find Amanda's post. I've put a link in the show notes to share your thoughts about what you think the technology is in design and technology. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. It's just your opinion. And we'd really love you to come and join the debate. Apart from on Facebook, where can I read about what D&T teachers are doing in practice? You're listening to the Talking D&T podcast. I'm Dr. Alison Hardy, a writer, researcher and advocate of design and technology education. In each episode, I share views, news and opinions about D&T. Just before Christmas, I put a post out on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and LinkedIn, actually, asking if anybody could recommend any blogs written by design and technology teachers who might have written about how they organise their curriculum in their department and about how they think about which materials to teach and which materials not to teach. And what I noticed is that I didn't have many responses. Now, it might be very simply because I did this about five days before Christmas and unlike me, people had much better things to be doing with their lives and were living rather than still thinking about design and technology. I had a few responses, but maybe not as many as I expected. Now, I'm putting this episode out in mid-January and there might have been more since then as people come back to work. But it did get me thinking that I'd really struggled myself, which is why I put the posts out, to find blogs written by D&T teachers about their practice. There's lots of chatter on social media, on Facebook and such, um, people sharing projects, photographs of children's work and such. But actually trying to find some written pieces online that are more extended about yeah, as I said, how D&T teachers are structuring their curriculum or planning their units of work, schemes of work and so on is actually really difficult. So it left me thinking about why why is that? And why do I think it's even a good idea that there should be those those places when there is social media where people are writing things? Well, well the reason I was looking is because I'm just kind of curious about that. I'm curious about how people are stretching their curriculum um, because I've got my ideas that we talk about at Nottingham Trent's, um, our concept of curriculum. I've done quite a few workshops at the end of 2022 about um, different ways of stretching the curriculum and what to think about when stretching the curriculum. But, you know, I'm, I don't teach anymore. So I want to know what's happening in practice and what people are thinking. What are the decisions, the design decisions, if you like, that people are making when they're planning their curriculums, curricula in design and technology. I also think it's useful, so not, not just from my perspective, which is, you know, all about me, what I, why I wanted it. Um, I, I think it's good for the design and technology community to have those sorts of things out online in a space where people can see them. They're not behind a paywall. They're not be, you don't have to be in a particular group. You don't have to 
buy a magazine, be a member of something, that they're out there is because I think it then starts to build that community of thinking. I also think as the writer, it actually gives you space to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it and, and get some feedback, get comments. That's why I like I like blogs uh, very often is because you've got that, that comment space on the bottom. It does take a little bit more thought than putting a post on social media. And I think that can be healthy um, to kind of develop your thinking in something that you've sort of planned out on a Word document or in a notebook and then edited it and put it put it out on a blog. I think taking some time to do that is really useful. And as I said, I think by allowing for comments, then, you know, there can be a, a development of what you're thinking. People can question you. Um, and challenge. And then also you can write another blog post later on about, well, I tried it like this and this worked and this didn't work. So it keeps a record as well for yourself, as well as your department about what you're doing. So that's why I think it's, it's good to do it. I mean, I've advocated in the past about design and technology teachers writing articles for magazines. I've, I've run workshops on that as well. And I think that is also a good thing, writing for magazines like the DNT Practice or Future Minds um, for Cleaps. But it's kind of quite hard. Right? They, those go through an editorial process, which again is a good thing. But if you do a blog, it's only you that has to edit it, if you're doing it on your own blog anyway. And some of those things are behind paywalls. So if we want to develop thinking, then doing it out in a, in a blog space is, is one way of doing it. And, and again, I'm kind of going back to this idea about being surprised because I've, I've looked around and some of my own thinking has developed about curriculum by reading blogs written by teachers, but not by D&T teachers, but by teachers of other school subjects. And so I suppose that's what got me thinking about why, why are D&T teachers doing it or, or not doing it? But anyway, those are my reasons why I think it's a good thing to do. And I'm trying to, trying to now present an argument there about to persuade D&T teachers who are listening to get a blog started. So what could you do? How could you do it? Well, you, you could set up your own blog. I, I debated doing this when I redesigned my website and me and the web designer had some debate about me write, setting up a blog. Well, I do the podcast. So that's kind of my my get out of jail free card is I decided that I'm already producing content in, in one particular way for one particular purpose, for a particular purpose. But I think having one for yourself about your design and technology practice is a good thing. You don't have to set yourself up to say, I'm going to do one every week. But it could be that you're, you know, you've got a couple of things that you're developing in your department, in your teaching. You think, I don't want to write about that. I want to capture what I'm thinking and why I'm thinking of doing it like that. Or you could do one for your department where your department shares ideas. If you're in a school where there's there's more than one D&T teacher. So, for example, in a primary school, there might only be one of you. So you might think, well, actually, I'm part of a group of schools and we might do one where we explore some of our thinking about our primary DNT curriculum or our secondary DNT curriculum. So you could do it as a collective. Or another way of doing it is you could find an existing blog to write for. Um, for example, Hilda Bowman and Torben Steed's website takes guest blogs. I haven't asked them whether they're okay for me to talk about this, but I think I think they probably would be. Um, and, and they take all sorts of things and they're really interested, I think, and in, in how we do design and technology. So that'd be one place you could email them and say, I'm thinking of doing a blog about this. Would you be interested? 
all those, I mean, me and Matt McLean oversee one which is aimed at people who are working with um, design and technology student teachers. So it's not aimed at the student teachers, it's aimed at the people who are mentoring, tutoring and teaching student teachers. So you might think, well, actually, I've got to take on how we prepare uh, the next generation of design and technology. It's also something that I'm doing that I think is really exciting with my mentoring and I want to write about it. So you could come and talk about that. Or you might be doing some research in design and technology and you want to, you want to talk about that. Or you might have read something, a piece of research and you want to share your interpretation of that. And so you might approach um, the editorial board of the researching DNT website. And um, we have a blog on there and, you know, we're just kind of playing around with, which it's a new website, we're playing around with what we might put on there, but we're open to people who are, are doing research or are, are using research in their practice to, to write about that. So you don't have to set one up, there's lots of different ways. Or you could go to other organisations that aren't design and technology focused and, and write a, a piece about that. So as I'm on this train now of encouraging design and technology teachers to get writing blog posts so that we have this community of knowledge where we can have some debates about how we do curriculum pedagogy and and so on I, I think I need to give some tips about how to write a blog post um so I'm going to give you seven tips to follow is first of all is think about when writing the plea the piece I'd advise about against doing anything longer than a thousand words, um, partly because then it becomes it comes too onerous for you as the writer, and also I think blog posts are really kind of a, a tea break read, and um, then they're not novels, they're not long think pieces. You might you might do some that are longer, but I think if you're just setting up, you're just starting out, seven hundred and fifty to a thousand words kind of keeps it nice nice and contained. And then number two, think about why you're writing it, the second one within one, and who you want to read it. So that's, that's point two. It's got two points. Why you're writing it and who you want to read it. So what's the, what's the, what's the nub of what you're writing, the kind of kernel of it that you're wanting to develop and, and kind of do some thinking out loud in a blog post about it? And who's going to read it? So who's your audience? So if you're doing it for your own blog and you're wanting to build your DNT community, then you're doing it for people like yourself. If you're doing it on the researching DNT one, then yes, you're doing it for people in design and technology, but you're doing it for those in design and technology who are interested in research and how that might inform their practice. So that's, that's tip number two. And then number three, talk about what you know, write about what you know, what you're doing and explain why you do it. It doesn't have to be some deep, meaningful piece in terms of you're thinking up something new. And I do this quite a lot on the podcast. I think, oh, I need to do some reading about this before I can talk about it. And I think, well, now I'm going to talk about it, about what I know and be upfront about that I only know this at the moment. So when you're writing a blog post, I'd be thinking, well, what do we do in our department, for example, to when we have when we have new students in in the, in the first year, you know, year sevens of secondary? What do we what do we do? How do we do it? Why do we do it like that? You could write a piece piece about that. And you might write a piece about, well, do we rotate the pupils around the department and do different materials? How do we decide? Why, why do we do it like that? What's the pros and cons? You might write a piece like that. So number three is write about what you know. Don't try and talk about something that you're not confident about. Then number four, this kind of relates to number three, don't try and put too many things into one post. It's something... That, that we kind of all can be guilty of when we're, we're writing something that we think, you know, it's going to be read externally. 
you're thinking, I've got to put lots and lots of things in because otherwise people won't be interested. Um, but actually, the, the skill of writing something that gives, you know, a, an overview or something deep about a topic is keeping it on on that one topic, not not going off in multiple tangents. If you find you're doing that, then split it up and write it as two posts or three posts. Number five, this kind of goes back to the reader. What are you going to give to the reader for them to take away? When they finish their tea break, what are they going to keep thinking about or mulling over? What might they comment on that you've that you've written about? They might come back and go, well, you know, you said you do rotations like that and the teachers don't rotate. Well, I think this is a problem with doing that. And we've done it like this. So, you know, that you kind of, you wanted to challenge their thinking, maybe, you know, give something to them to go away and read. It might be a link. It might be a link to a, a video or something like that. But it also might be some food for thought. You might ask some questions. And then number six. So that's kind of like the end of it. So number six is about the start of it. Open with a bold statement. Get your reader in, capture them or ask them a question. OK, how what's going to make people want to read what, what you've written? And then number seven, we would normally if we're writing, um, you know, a, a book chapter like I do or an article, we have paragraphs that are normally of around 250 words. Well, that's really difficult to read on a blog post, you know, on the screen. People are going to be probably reading this on their mobile phones. So keep the paragraph shorter than normal. And think about adding bullet points that kind of visually breaks it down and helps helps the reader. So those are my seven top tips. There are others, um, but those are just some that I think would get you started if you're thinking around blogging. And I really would encourage selfishly because I need teachers to be writing about different things to kind of challenge my thinking because it's been so long since I was teaching. But I also think it adds to uh, the community for design and technology that we're questioning what we're doing. And then the third reason, I think, is it also shows people outside design and technology that we do think about what we're doing in D&T and we don't just accept things um, and run with things because that's the way we've always done it. So I, I think it's I think it's really powerful to do it. I've added some links in the in the show notes to some of the blogs that I've mentioned. I've also added some posts that I've written for different sites. so You can kind of see my style. They aren't perfect. But I know that when I'm writing or learning to write in a new way, that I learn about that by looking at other examples and critiquing them and taking them apart and going, oh, they've structured it like that or they've done it like that or this is how they've ended it. I like that. So I've put those out there, not to say that they're great, but just to give you some food for thought. So if you do end up blogging, do let me know. I'm happy to promote and share. I might even write a comment. Um, it'd be good to see what DNT teams are doing, why they're doing it like they're doing, and, and to kind of build up that community of, of chat in, in a way that people can, yeah, share their ideas and, and sort of develop that thinking. So finally, if you listen to the last episode, you'll have heard me shamelessly plugging the latest edition of the Debates in Design and Technology book. If you want to be in a, with a chance of listening to a copy, you have to listen back to that episode, episode 115. And you must do that before the 28th of February 2023, if you want to be in with a chance of winning that a copy of the book. I'm Dr. Alison Hardy, and you've been listening to the Talking DT podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, then do subscribe on whatever platform you use and do consider leaving a review as it does help others find the podcast. 
I do the podcast because I want to support the DNT community in developing their practice. So please do share the podcast with your DNT community. If you want to respond to something I've talked about or have an idea for a future episode, then either leave me a voice memo via SpeakPipe or drop me an email. You can find details about me, the podcast and how to connect with me on my website, dralisonhardy.com. Also, if you want to support the podcast financially, you can become a patron. Links to SpeakPipe, Patreon and my website are in the show notes. Thanks for listening.